Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the space, the very first, actually, Space Junk Live broadcast uh, on YouTube, Twitter, Twi uh, Twitch, and Facebook. So we're coming at you live. I'm Tony Darnell from uh, DeepAstronomy.Space, and we are... For the first time, I'm meeting my co-host, Dustin Gibson. <laughs> Man, that is so awesome yes, to see sir. you finally. Yep. We met for the first time just a couple of days ago, and Ian Lauer, it's good to see you guys, <laughs> man. Doing? Both these guys are from OPT Telescopes, and we've been doing Space Junk for a while now. Here we are in New York. Yeah, we, we're over Day 20 drinking. episodes. Hey, cheers, cheers. <laughs> hey, all right. This all is right. California here, so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's nice. Well, it's time, though. We're recording a podcast with everybody in the same room for the first time. Yeah. Ever. After 25 episodes? 24? Never yeah. been done. Yeah. And first time. in the same way that we, you know, appreciate the, the value of what the internet's done for bringing amateur astronomers together, it allows us to do this podcast from anywhere That's in the world. That's great. That's what I love I mean, about it. Yeah, I mean, we're streaming now because we can, but, you know, we also, we're recording this audio here. All of this stuff fits in. A backpack, so mm -hmm. we could do this podcast anywhere, anywhere. we want. So. And we will be, right? Yeah. From Times Square, we're going to be yeah. recording. Yeah. They're streaming, at least. So if anyone's out there in the New York world, Times Square, Saturday, 7 o'clock, setting up um, in front of the H&M and the big flag, and um, hopefully the weather will hold out, and hopefully the... Um, the NYPD Terrorism Control Unit won't shut us down like they did last year. No, we're so, good. We're good. Got to have faith this time. I got, I, <laughs> I got a lot of faith. Yeah, well, let's talk about why we're here. So we are all coming together in the spirit of amateur astronomy, right? We all want to promote the night sky. So, Dustin, what are we doing here, man? We are going to be setting up scopes in Times Square again for the second time. Steven, you and I did that uh, two years ago. Yep. And, it, you know, it went surprisingly well, considering that we never really talked to the city we just kept the city on the runaround the whole time thinking we had. But we got thrown out by the counterterrorism unit. But by the time they had thrown us out, man, we had shown a lot of people space. I mean, you were Big running crowds. the visual scope the entire time. Actually, like, I just pulled some of the old photos. And um, uh, I was there with my buddy Trip, who came down. And you guys were setting up the scopes. And we had... Big, huge circles of people around us, kids around us, looking up, and it was like, I mean, instantaneously, you set a scope up there, and yeah. people take the interest, and um, so I'm super excited for today, especially being a Saturday, because sometimes Times Square, despite what people think, can become pretty quiet at nighttime during the week. You oh, know? really? I didn't yeah, know yeah. yep. Um, it's pretty touristy, so once it gets, but on the weekends, it's kind of sometimes a mob scene. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what we want. We want to show everyone. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't even think you can see stars in New York, let alone <laughs> image and image deep space nebula and galaxies. So it's going to be... Well, that's how you throw the world's largest star party, is you bring the star party to the world's largest crowds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stars right here, baby. Yeah. Space drunk yeah. stars, space you know? Right. That's no, right. They can't see my face on this, but I'm blushing in your presence, you know? Yeah. Well, 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 Stephen, let me ask you. I mean, you live in New York City. Uh, is there a vibrant amateur astronomy community here? When I first got into it, I thought I was probably the only one that had a telescope, and I was like, because 
I mean, most people, like you said, don't, I don't, they don't even think you can see stars and under the streetlights, they can't, but there actually is a fairly vibrant, not super big, but the more I get into it, um, we do have the AAA, um, but most of them actually kind of live in Staten Island here and there. However, Al Nagler from Teleview, born and raised in the Bronx, yeah. um, Jupiter Joe, uh, in the Bronx, now New Rochelle and Astro Mom, who is, uh, one of my favorite female imagers, uh, she lives out in Long Island, so not a whole lot directly here in Manhattan, which I want to get more people involved in. You know, even if you have a window, you can look out the window at the scope. Yeah. So, but nothing like California. Well, you know, you think you have this concentration of people in New York City. I mean, it's it's one of the densest concentrations in the world. It's certainly not the densest, but it's one of them. And with this many people, you have that few imaging or even considering astronomy as the, you know, a primary hobby because you know, people really don't know you can do it. I think it's like you're saying. You very know? true. And even the people that are doing it, they're still for a very long time have been, you know, considerable limit uh, limitations. But now, you know, with the filtration, you, it's really not as big an issue as it used to be. You can use like things like the triad filter or just narrowband filters in general and do the same kind of imaging that a lot of us are doing out in the deserts. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, there are a couple imagers maybe here and there one guy in queens is no one but i actually don't know of anyone in manhattan that at all at all that actually wow. images and i'm trying to think anyone in manhattan actually has a telescope so you never just walk through here and see somebody with a telescope set up outside you never see that in manhattan only time you ever see it is if there's some sort of maybe triple a event but like i said a lot of those people come from staten island or maybe right inside jersey yeah. or it's amazing Bronx, to think about. I mean, not, that's directly actually in Manhattan now that I think about it. No. 8 million people, right? 8 million. And 1.2, maybe 1.3 now in Manhattan. Yeah. This, so, we got to change that. I, I mean, yeah. Actually, there's probably lowest scope to people ratio in the whole world here just because there's so many people and so few scopes. But, I mean, the one thing, though, and people, you know, once I got into it, <clears throat> like I said, most people don't think you can see stars. But once you're above the streetlights, you can. But the one thing in New York I've realized is that we actually have a lot of nights, despite this, of clear skies. Because I yeah. travel a lot with my work, and I go to these remote towns, and there's no light pollution. Sure. But there's clouds six to seven days. And now with the technology, that you know, the triad filter, you can shoot through light pollution. You can't shoot through clouds. You're right. You know, yeah. if you have a cloud filter. Not yet. You know, we are. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that's next. That's the next thing. So, yeah. Well, what's impressive is there's the Hayden Planetarium here, which is... I mean, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. huge name in astronomy, you know. So you would think that there are a lot of people in New York very, very interested in astronomy. But once you get outside of the, the planetarium, you can't. You look up, what do you see? You see buildings, yeah. you know, signs and yep. windows all the way up. So I think, uh, I think there are people who are interested in astronomy who live here. They just haven't had that, that flame fanned to, to keep that excitement growing. And I think... Um, Doing something like this is a great opportunity to fan that flame. Yeah, and I wonder how much of a disconnect there is just because of the light pollution. It's easy to get disconnected here for what goes on up over our heads, you know? So I just wonder how much light pollution plays a role in that. But doing what we're doing is going to help remind people, well, it's not really that big a barrier. You know, if you get out, like, for example, if you're right in Times Square or you write literally, if anyone put, even if you're in the desert and there's a light right above you, you can't see the stars. You can't see right above that light. But once you either go a little bit away from it or above it, you can. But Battery Park, all along kind of the, even Central Park, you can get some, you can see some good stuff 
right in the middle of Central Park. Yeah. You know, so it's um But we went there. there yesterday. I didn't see anybody out there with any solar scopes or, or setting up no, for the night or anything. It's nothing. amazing. It is Just amazing. the concentration of people, you'd think there would be, even if there's, you know, a low percentage interest, there's still so many people you'd think you'd see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you don't at all. And um, I think that we talk about this all the time on the podcast, but even if science, the, the conversation obviously with astronomy always goes to a science because astronomy is a science, Correct. right? But there's a philosophical perspective here that I think a lot of people get just as much, if not more from than the science itself. And that perspective is too valuable to be ignored in looking out into the universe and seeing our place in it. If you can't see your neighborhood, how the hell do you ever know where you are or even what you are, right? How do you ever define that for yourself even? Google Maps and now. If you know, you've got yeah. 8 million people, 8 million people lacking that, you know, or, or that lack even the ability to see the potential because of what they see as a limitation that isn't real. It's not a barrier that really exists anymore. That's a problem. It's very true. That's a problem. It's very true. And especially like for myself when I first got into it, I think almost all astrophotographers usually start visual, most of them I think. Yeah. And I started visual. I still do enjoy do, doing visual. And uh, I love living in New York City. I love the hustle bustle. You know, you want to go out at 3 o'clock in the morning and have a bite to eat. It's there. You can do this. You can do that. But sometimes it's actually taking a step back and was looking up at the sky. And man, you know, when you see Jupiter or Saturn or some of these like distant, you know, like Orion Nebula, you know, it kind of puts things in a perspective that, you know, wow, like, kind of slows you down because here is always go 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 yeah but it's nice to be able to every once in a while slow down and kind of get that perspective you know Ooh. know your place you know yeah we were talking about this yesterday when we were on the subway but it's it's a little bit of culture shock from us coming from southern california here every time we come here i feel this way but the pace is so different in manhattan than it is in southern california really anywhere in san diego county where there i mean it, it's just the whole, <laughs> the whole lifestyle, I think, is Very different. Much. You know, you go into businesses, everybody's in sandals or, you know, just the pace in the stress level, honestly, is probably the best way to put it. Just feels so much lower. You know, it's always sunny. It's 72 degrees year round. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. But then out here, man, everybody's on a mission. Wherever they're going, they're looking down and they're just like, get out of my way. I'm on my way somewhere and you are in the way. Speed walkers, yeah, running speed the train, walkers. get on the train, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that you're right though. Astronomy does that and it's probably very helpful in that in just getting someone to look up and realizing, you know, the scale, the magnitude and our place in that, I think does slow you down. It forces you into what is probably a more real reality than the one that we live in these little bubbles in Manhattan is certainly a bubble Very that much. forces this get on the subway go get where you're going rush there as quickly as you can and don't talk to anyone. yeah there's a lot of practical considerations for that you just got to get where you're going you got to get to work wherever you got to go yeah. but, you know it, you're right it's it, we need to take time to just and then slow just down look up. Yeah, yeah and move, slow down my favorite part about what we're doing today is we are recording this for broadcast or to go on our podcast syndication next week. But the uh, the fact that we're streaming live, we get connections from all over the world. So uh, I just want to say, Lion G saying greetings from from Amsterdam or Holland, Amsterdam. Thank oh, you. Oh, coming to Amsterdam in June. Nice. <laughs> and uh, also, Andy Cowley makes a good point. He goes, "You need to do like we do in the UK and turn the street lights off." after midnight you know you wouldn't think about it but the uk 
has one of the most vibrant amateur astronomy communities I've ever seen. I mean, when I do the Hangouts for Telescope Talk, the, the amateur version, uh, everybody's in the UK and they got all, all of them have telescopes. You'd think that that would be a problem for them because of the clouds and the weather and stuff. Right. But they, they, there's a big community out there in there's the UK. There's quite a few. It's and difficult so, to get cities to take that into consideration, though, turning the lights off. There's, uh, yeah. there's kind of a rampant paranoia. Well, there's another solution. What Alamogordo, New Mexico did, which is home to Apache Point Observatory and Sac Peak Observatory in New Mexico, all of the lights in Alamogordo, which is right at the base of the mountain of Sacramento Peak, uh, are sodium vapor lamps. All of them. It's just an orange city at night. And all of that can be filtered out by the observatory. So, okay, maybe maybe you can't turn the lights off, but you can make them easily easier to filter. You know, yeah, it's funny. That's what uh, New York is uh, a very green city, people think. But, um, one, I don't think they'd ever want the lights being turned off. I think just a mass amount of people and for yeah. safety, this and that. However, though, next time, you know, when, when next time we're in uh, Midtown, which we will, just look up. The entire building, every single light is on in the entire building, and there ain't no one in there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, that would, you know, we also do have a beautiful skyline. It's because it's lit up. You know, if they turn all the lights off, you won't be able to see That's anything. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's... Um, one thing you don't see out here the way you do in California, too, it's a little bit different for us, is everything. You see solar everywhere in Southern California. I mean, the majority of the houses... Like panels and Yeah, panels are on everything. You know, and then you go into, you drive 30 minutes inland, and it's... We actually, you saw when you visited the solar or the uh, the wind farm. Oh man, I've it's never just, seen so many windmills in my entire yeah, life. Thousands, thousands of thousands of yeah, them for as miles, as far as you can see. Yeah, you know it's everywhere, but you don't. I don't see any of that here. I no. haven't seen solar panels anywhere we've gone. And I yeah, I mean, but maybe it's just because of the footprint of some of this stuff. You don't really have it. You know, these buildings take up. You know, I think also the concrete one jungle. is that for the the most of the people in New York rent. And mm -hmm. so getting so solar why panels invest, is, yeah. yeah, why I've, you know, if I'm only going to be here for a year or, yeah. you know. Has to already be here. Not exactly. Be here and so people move around quite a bit in the city. I think the average person lives two and a half years in the city. I think I saw that one statistic as far as like, because a lot of people come and go, whether internship, they move here, they realize maybe it's not for them mm -hmm. or the rent may be too much. Or a lot of people actually move here and then kind of want to start a family and kind of move out to the suburbs. It's a very, very common thing. So, you know, it's not my thing, but it's a very common thing. So right. why invest in solar panels and this and that? And second, maybe Con Ed has a, it's our company, a electric company. Here. You're an outlier. You've been here a lot longer than two and a half years. Correct. I've been here eight years now. And Kara actually has been here, oh man, almost 20 years. You're wow. committed. Yeah, committed. Yeah. But I, I love it here. I can't see living in another place. Only the place I can live in is Southern California. Yeah. You know? So... <laughs> yeah. You know, I might as well go to the uh, second best place in the world. You know? <laughs> All right, I just want to take a brief break here and, and, and remind everybody who's just joined us, you're listening to Space Junk Live podcast, recording from Manhattan in the wonderful home of Stephen, uh, Stephen Swancoat, who is being our host here in oh, yeah. Manhattan. It's great I'm also joined, guys. and I'm Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space. This is Dustin Gibson and Ian Lauer, both from OPT Telescope. So uh, we are also monitoring all the chats, so uh, hopefully you guys will leave us questions. It's kind of cool. Um, I just want to read one that I just got from, um, where do you guys, let me scroll up, from Norsvast. He's asking, I live in Iraq, and the first time I saw Jupiter and its moons was through a terrible homemade reflector telescope that I made. Uh, what type of telescope do you recommend to someone new to astronomy? And this is the group to ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll take it. All right, first go for it. First and foremost, 
And actually my first scope was like a, a 120 um, refractor, just like a low budget refractor. Um, I thought it was great. Um, one, you kind of get wide field so you can see a lot of targets. And second is that it's more contrast than a reflector. But the biggest thing I have with reflectors and I find is that if the mirrors for any reason kind of come a little bit out of collimation, it is such a daunting task, I think, to someone who's so new that they're not going to even bother trying to figure out how to realign the mirrors. And it could happen during yeah. shipping or mishandling the scope. So I think a basic refractor is the best way. It's lightweight, you know, and so I think it's something because my brother got a big Dapsonian yeah. and uh, gorgeous scope. But you know what? It was so big to try to get it out there and pick it up. And then it came a little uncollimated. And it was just like that was the, the last he ever used it. Right. You know, versus a refractor, you pick up, you go, and if you like it, then you can bump up something bigger. Sure. So that's, that's my good. opinion, that's I think, at nice. least. Yeah. yeah. I'd say the, the best telescope is the one you're going to use the most. There you um, go. Because for some people, they don't mind getting the a reflector, so you can get a big Dobsonian for a good price. Yeah. And if you don't mind learning how to collimate it, that's perfect. And if you aren't dragging it around, if you're setting up in your backyard, I think that is the perfect telescope to get. Now, for some people, they want the simplicity of a refractor, and that's perfectly fine, too. It's just as long as you're using it, because you can still get great views, even with a, a three-inch refractor. You can still see the moons around Jupiter. You can still see the rings around Saturn. So, you know, I always say the, the best telescope is the one that you use. Yeah, very true. I, I usually push... So I started with the Dobsonian, and so, you know, it may just be me... Me I'm, I'm like you. Biased <laughs> in my experience. Yeah, I like But that. I like what you said about the contrast, because you're right. The best contrast you're going to get is a refractor, because there's no central obstruction. There's no secondary mirror. It's just wide open aperture all the way through the tube. Um, with a Newtonian or a Dobsonian, right, you have a very small central obstruction because it's tilted on edge to shoot the image out the side. So the contrast is still really good, but you get the benefit of having mirrors so you can get big aperture. Yeah. And in visual astronomy, aperture is still king. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, yeah. um, you know, I loved, I, had, I started with a 12-inch daub. It split into two pieces, so it was easy to carry around. And, you know, I was a customer at OPT before I bought the company with Jenny. And um, they told me when I, when I got it, it's not worth having if you're not going to buy the collimation tool. You know, so they sold me a, a laser. And the laser collimation took 20 seconds at most. You know, it does it for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, once it's collimated, a big scope like that, when you're seeing, you know, I wasn't just seeing the moons of Jupiter. I was seeing the shadow of the moons move across the planet as they were transiting. That's something that you just can't get with a small scope. You know, and that big aperture, I think, when people see the moon even through it, it's just they're, they're hooked. Seeing something like that is just absolutely incredible. Well, I don't want to play devil's advocate here, but, you know, I think it kind of goes back to, Ian, what you said, the one you use the most. Because if you want to think of a place like New York City, you know, my first apartment is smaller than the kitchen we're sitting in right now. Right. And 200 plus square, like 220 square feet. And a Dobsonian is a big thing, uh, you know, to haul. And so, like, that yeah. might take up more space than you really want. So sure. a small refractor for that person. So I think it's more one of these things that it's a tool. What do you kind of want to get out of the tool? But I think at least when you're getting your feet wet, get something, even if it's a pair of binoculars, that will at least get you up looking at the sky. Because you know what? You said, Tony, today we did an interview. Um, just get out there and take a look and invest in something small to take a look and see, is this something that you want to go more into? And you know what? 
you may go down that wormhole and end up getting into like figure scopes and remote observatories and all sorts of stuff. And that's the, I mean, hey, that's what we live for. Yeah. But you know what though? I don't want someone to get something that they're not, it's not the right tool for them right off the bat. And then astronomy leaves a sour taste in the rest of their mouth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, oh, you know, I tried to get into it once. It was way too complicated. I ain't doing it again. Well, you know, you got the wrong thing, you know? Yeah, it's like, hey, sure. you know, if you're going four wheel, you don't want to get the sports car, you know? And if you're going to go drag racing, you don't want to get the Jeep, <laughs> you know? So it, I think the right tool, depending on where you live and what you want to do, is right. And there is no right answer, sure. you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Home Muffin says, uh, you folks still doing the NYC thing. Look, weather looks to be crappy. Yeah, I don't know. The forecast for tomorrow is not looking great. Either. It does today, but tomorrow it's going to be clear, you know? Yeah. Right in the rain, guys. Like yeah. They hold off. Yeah, weather, yeah, weather's bad today. But, you know, I mean, when you when you do something like this, you've always got the, the deck stacked a little bit against you. Yes. And so it's all right. I mean, if we get any time at all clear, we will get this done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the chances of us having even an hour clear are still really good. It says partly cloudy. We'll make this happen. You know, Honestly, yeah. I think even just getting out there and setting up the scopes and having people see it is uh, is awesome, you know. And, uh, yeah. Let's and, talk about Neve. What what is that thing? North Northeast uh, Astronomy Forum. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, the biggest uh, trade show in uh, astronomy for North America. Mm -hmm. uh, all the manufacturers are going to be there. They love uh, revealing new products. It's really exciting because there's, uh, I mean. Let's face it, these are toys, man. Yeah. And we all want to see what the new toys are, right? right? Neep is the place where the new toys are revealed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also, it's a good way to connect with, um, you know, uh, people that, you know, you have friends, I have friends, you know, in the astronomy world. And um, actually, even today, in between, like, I had a set of rings I put on Astromart a long time ago, and they're still up there. Guys, still got them? He's like, yeah. He's like... Uh, you can ship them, but if you're coming to Neep tomorrow, I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, like, I mean this could be anyone, but he's like, yeah. oh. I, I was like, I got to try to find them in time. But yeah, so you never know um, who you can meet there. And it's, uh, I mean, I only went there one time and I had a good time, you know. Yeah. How many people go to these things, guys? A couple thousand probably, right? Yeah, I'd imagine it's Something somewhere like between a thousand and two thousand. I honestly don't know, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a large, I haven't been to one fairly... in a long time, yeah. so I don't know. And I've never been to Neves. So. Well, they, they have a cool uh, event outside. They do solar during the day, yeah. uh, which would be really cool. Um, yeah. you know, check out the sun. TJ Connolly would be there. TJ Connolly yeah, would be there. Be set up and the big blunt. That guy's awesome. Yeah. You know what? I saw that when I was there the first time, and then I, did, I completely forgot. And then I was walking out, and they were taking them down. And at that time, I never even looked at it through a solar scope. So I know very little of solar. That's why I'm happy you brought yours, and <laughs> we'll see if we see the sun. Well, you know very little, pretty much anything, though. Pretty much, you yeah. know. So yeah, you cheated your way through med school. <laughs> no, I have a twin brother, and yeah. so he did all that. Really smart yeah, guy. He did all the really test taking, and I just went in for the patient interaction. Yeah, that's so, good. That's good. Yeah. But I say my good looks and charm mm -hmm. got me halfway through, and uh, where do you hide the good looks? Um, underneath the smile. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, one thing that Justin's blushing now. <laughs> oh, that's one thing, uncomfortable. One thing that was really cool uh, yesterday, we got to meet an astronaut who actually went to space. That was cool. That, yes, it, was, it actually it was Don yeah. Pettit. Yeah, amazing. I don't even guy. know how to describe that dinner. You know, sitting next to a guy. You know, it, it's kind of surreal when you think about it. like this guy is at, on the frontier of human knowledge. I mean, he's literally living that life that is going to space. And, I mean, even when he was talking about it, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going back up, you know. 
He was, um, he was so casual. He was like, yeah, and then, you know, when we went out and did the spacewalk. Yeah. Okay, you just, yeah, we do spacewalk, you know, no problem. Just another another day on the job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had to remind him. You can't just say, yeah, when I was doing my spacewalk. <laughs> like, that's not a normal conversation. It is not a normal conversation. And uh, what I thought was actually pretty funny when he was mentioning how, like, you asked him if he's afraid to go up. He ain't afraid to go up. He's more afraid of, like, the... You know, the desk job or the yeah, you know, accounting job or this and that. That's what scares them. Yeah. Getting into a rock and I was like, man, I, you know, I, these are things I never thought of, you know? Yeah. So It takes a special kind of something to just get onto something that you know is just has any potential at any moment to blow up. So, And one thing Dustin said today, um, mentioned, was that, you know, I think a lot of people grow up wanting to be an astronaut. You know, Tony mentioned it today, and I know Jupiter Joe. Yeah. Um, but he actually... Follow through and did it, you know? That's impressive, you know? Mm -hmm. When you set your mind to something, and it it ain't easy. I know it can't be easy, you know? Every kid starts there saying, I'm going to be an astronaut. He actually did it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) What was it? The last astronaut class they announced, was it like 12 people, 11 people, something like that, out of, you know, tens of thousands of people who apply. So it's, yeah. He's actually the the oldest active astronaut. Yeah. um, One that has a patent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and also uh, did that expedition uh, trying to find meteorites in Antarctica. So very, yeah. very yeah. well-rounded, and I mean, actually, pretty funny guy too. Yeah, he patented. He was really engaged. He patented the first ever um, cup that you can use in zero g, mm-hmm. zero gravity. This cup will using just. I mean, he designed it around uh, what liquid dynamics. Yeah, right? fluid, dynamics. Yeah. fluid, fluid dynamics. Purely yeah. based on. Mathematics of fluid dynamics. Yeah, yeah. really. Because before cool. you had to have a straw; otherwise, you had no or way. Or a bag. Of, yeah. Yep, getting everything yeah, out. Yeah, and he so. made it with a bag while he was up there. Yeah, you know, just I know. being creative. Simple discoveries. Cool. Yep, and then came back and made it, and uh, yeah, I was super touched by that. He brought one of the cups. Said they take three weeks to make his little tiny batch of these cups, and he yeah, brought so one and gave it to home. me, and I, I still am like, wow. I yeah. met an astronaut, and he gave me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super one nuts. of a kind, you know. I know, man. Was, uh, I know. He is an incredible guy. What so. was awesome too was seeing his photos because he's a photographer, and so a lot That's of the photos from space. I mean, some of the time lapses that he was showing us on 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 his iPad was oh my gosh, I was blown away. How amazing, how beautiful these shots are, and he's like, oh yeah, these are all public domain. You can go online and and download That's right. them and use yeah. them. That's it's, right. That is amazing. And that's something that you should all know is about NASA is that anything they put out that comes out of a space program or any kind of uh, a mission is all available to all of us for free. Which and is that's great. A great resource. I, I think it should be. You know, yeah. it's like uh, it's just, uh, things the government are doing that's great and putting out the knowledge for people. You know, yeah. whether or not you want to go out there and look at it is your choice, but at least it's there if you want it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more knowledge the better. Yeah, I loved his response too when he was talking about flat Earth. It was not at all malicious. It was not at all like let's start this fight. You know, he was just saying, I think as you put it, you know, well that hasn't been my experience, exactly. right? When he's up there, because he can see with his day job, he can see the curvature of the Earth. Looking down at it, every one of his pictures, you can see it. You know, even in the videos and everything. And he wasn't like, hey, people are stupid for believing that or anything like that. Yeah. There was no fight in him. He's saying. Hey, you know, my job is to make sure that we expand human awareness and knowledge, and that hasn't been my experience. And I thought, what a what a beautiful a people get worked approach up to that. Yeah, he makes a good point. Like, you're not going to change their minds, and flat earth theories ain't going to change your minds. And right. so you can have either a battle of the minds, or just kind of realize, it's, hey, this is what I believe, this is what you believe, and life's still great and moves on. Yeah. You know, That's so right. it's not a conversation based on facts. If it right. were, you could maybe sway somebody, but there's not enough honesty in the conversation. 
to want to learn from the other. We're no more willing to learn from a flat earther than they are from us. And so right. uh, it's... A globetard. They call us globetards. Globetards, yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm not going to say what we call them, but... <laughs> hey, I mean, it's... Uh, you look at his photos, though, it's hard to... It's kind of hard to argue with. You know, yep. these are photos he's taking on a daily basis. 3,000 photos a day, he said. Gorgeous. He's taking when he's up there. Yeah. And they're just unbelievable photos. And how many cameras they go through and yeah. you know, burn the sensor out. and Cosmic ray strikes on the sensor. It's a lot of cool stuff he was showing us. Very intelligent guy. Intelligent. I know. I love it. Actually, it's, what was he mentioning? Because they get a little tiny, like, personal box. He's like, oh, I'll take this up there and then I'll just... Machine the rest up there in the ISS. I'm yeah. like, wow, like, that's pretty, you know, like what are you, like, like a MacGyver up there, you know? <laughs> like, you got a toothpick, got some duct tape. We need to make a new camera. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Actually, you know, he did invent a, um, a barn door system for tracking. Yeah. That was another. So I'm very impressed. You know, it's like not only just a science-based mind, but it's a creative mind. Well, he's you a have true to think astronomer. Of yeah. He is. He's a true amateur astronomer in that way. Like, he, he wants to develop things that he can use to do what we're doing down here up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful part of any field. It's usually a lot of some of the discoveries that come from people trying, well, can I do this or can I do that? Or what would make my life easier? Yeah, like, right. Try a filter. It's yeah, great. Exactly. You know, why should I have this complex filter wheel? Can't we just all do it in one? And yeah, pretty much, bam, there you go. Yeah. So it's, there it is. Okay, I need to do this more during the podcast. I'm going to do it here now. I'm going to uh, break and remind everybody, well, you are watching a Space Junk podcast live recording from New York City, where we are going to be going to Times Square tomorrow. Uh, I'm, I'm Tony Darnell, this is Dustin Gibson, Ian Lauer, and Steven Swancote. All bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> and we are doing this live for the first time. We might do this more yeah, in the future, right? Should. But if you want to, if you have not gotten Space Junk yet on your podcast syndication, go there and get it. It's being syndicated on all the biggies, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. It goes to all the ones that uh, Anchor knows about. We start on Anchor, anchor.fm, and then it sends it out to everything. And they're listed there. We should start coming to do this in some other cities with people I too, man. To, man. Yeah, I know that would people be have so asked when fun. we're coming to different yeah. cities. We should I've do paid that. like uh, you know more and more attention of learning the the podcast because I know you had it, but I was like, okay, what's going on? But then yeah. from people like you know Cat Machin, you know right. David, yeah. we've had some you, great guests. Like yeah. you know, yeah. it's just it's and it's great to kind of get this whole. I wouldn't even say hodgepodge, but you know, you're not just focus on one sect of like, okay, we're only going to do like you know these advanced. Astronomers or astrophotographers, we're going to kind of spread it all around and get from like manufacturers to right. artists to people in the industry. You know, it's, it's great, yeah. you know. Okay, I want to get a specific question in about tomorrow. This is from Home Up, and apparently he or she is local and goes, Okay, I'll try to head out. I've, I've got a bad flu. Um, but where in Times Square are they going to be? And it, is this still in Times Square? Do we know it that is information? In Times Square? Yeah, it is in Times Square. We're going to be situated between 43rd and 44th okay. um, in Broadway. Um, so if there's a big American flag that's in the lower part of Times Square, Times Square technically goes from about 42nd up to about 49. Mm-hmm. There's a big, huge American flag. We're going to be situated right in front of that. Yeah. Smashed between that and about H&M. You can't miss it. It's can't huge. miss it. It's huge. So, he doesn't mean American flag like, hey, this is Yeah, it's a big, huge, bright, like, wide. I mean. This is like LED panel. Yeah, probably 50 60 feet wide by okay. 20 Huge. feet high. Oh, yeah, it's gigantic. I so. mean, you go and stand next to it, and you're like, you're tiny. So it's, and you can't miss it. It's on the pedestrian side. There's, um, now they've done a very good job 
like blocking off a lot of streets and making yeah. the tables and whatnot, so you can't miss a step. So okay. Ian and Tony will be manning the scopes. Stephen and I will be in handcuffs. <laughs> right. Taking well, I might familiar scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah, story there, right? Ian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Dustin end up in handcuffs quite a bit? Of <laughs> Uh, Not always by police. You know? uh, oh, yeah. man. Oh, okay. Here we yeah. go. We, we are day drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, these aren't police. These are the terrorist control unit. It's, yeah, it's, they were pretty it's serious. Different. They were. And actually, so like um, uh, K-Tech, he's my, um, my, my cinematographer, my camera guy, making a little documentary. Yeah. And we went out Monday. I just landed. We went out that night to kind of scope the area. And um, yeah, there is no joke, like six of them. Right in front of the flag with, I mean, legit machine guns, legit machine guns, yeah, bulletproof vests. When they the had them last the time whole... too, they had them last time too, and that's what's I don't so funny. I don't want to see them last. They shot out of This time yeah. they're, they're, so they're there, man. I'm standing there. I'm surrounded by these these counterterrorism unit guys trying to, you know, tell them we got permission from the city, telling the city <laughs> we got permission from them, keep them talking long enough to let you guys do your thing. Stephen walks up while I'm talking to these big scary guys and. uh He's just like, man, do you guys want to take a look? You guys I want to take a look? look. I thought they were They're like, no, yeah. but we have machine guns. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Uh, That's New York for you. you yeah. Know? The one thing yeah. I, I will always remember from that is you guys, D Dustin and Steven, are both talking to the counterterrorism unit. Trying to deflect them, and Dustin just leans over to me and he's just like, keep setting up. <laughs> Go stop what Smart you're doing. I got this. Up, keep doing. I'll yeah. apologize for it later. Yeah, exactly. Just sign up. If they drag me away, that gives you an extra 15 yeah. minutes. Exactly, yeah. You know, you've got this. We already pulled our line, we're ready to go, yeah. you know? So. Just keep going. Oh, man. Super Luminal wants to know if we're having whiskey. Yes, we are. We are. Very good whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, There's been a good deal of scotch on this trip. You know, there has been. Well, when I landed, I want to thank you for that, Stephen. That's oh, no, that's not, wow. That's not even that. Mm. We we have a nice collection here. We like having big parties and inviting um, a whole range of people, like not just you know people in the medical field. There, my girlfriends in finance, you know, from artists, random degenerates we meet, locals, people even just off Instagram. Yeah, Astro Mom actually came to one of our parties. I never met her, just with the Instagram, and um, we were. I was like, hey, my girlfriend and I were having a party. Do you want to come down? And actually, we interviewed her just a couple days ago, yeah. and she was telling the story. She's like, yeah, but like, I don't know these. We're going to go some, all the way to some random place in Manhattan. So she actually, her son was, what is it, a double black belt? And so she brought her son with her to the party, and it was great. Actually, I set up one of the, usually I'll set up one of the scopes on the, um, the cool. terrace. Yeah. And so she kind of like, I don't say man, but womaned the scope. And, yeah. you know, so well, you have a beautiful place here with two terraces. Very yeah. lucky. Yeah, and, um, beautiful place. We've got a view right now where I'm sitting. Of the new Freedom Tower. Yeah. The One World... One World Tower? Yep. Is that one what world. it's called? Yeah, and, it's uh, beautiful. One World Observatory is yeah. the uh, observation deck. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I will yeah. say there is no telescope in that observatory. Actually, there was. There was a small one on display. Yeah, there was like one a, in, like a museum piece. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, coming down. yeah. Not yeah. an active observatory. Right. Need a column and set them straight. That's right. There needs to be a telescope But the up one there. thing that's pretty cool is it is pointing south, so like all the celestial bodies, and yeah. so like, um, it's cool in a sense, like I've gotten some shots of like literally Orion, like right next to the needle, mm -hmm. but also like, you know, sometimes when I would do imaging in the moon, right when the moon would cross, it'd be done, because by the time it Across the rest of it, it'd already be under the horizon. So yeah. I think it was Larry saying that because you guys, after we got shut down last year, we actually all came here and mm -hmm. uh, we ended up setting up. And but buildings is a 
a real thing you got to kind of battle here. You know? Well, it's fortunate that you're on a rooftop yes. because you're up above a lot of it. A lot of know? it for the yeah. most part. So yeah. it's yeah. best you can try to endure, right. you know? Right, right. So, but if it wasn't for this, I actually probably would not have gotten into it. We had moved in. Um, and I remember you mean this apartment. This apartment. Okay. And I had a telescope when I was in sixth or seventh grade. I don't know, man. You talk about this all the time. I feel like it's in your blood. I don't yeah. know. How well, you know, here's it was it, it was in the blood, and but it's one of those things that you just don't really think about. It wasn't it. sparked. And then what happened was we were out one night, and I woke up and I was like, man, you can actually see a lot of stars for New York City. Right. You know, and then about a month or two later, we had a six month anniversary, and she got me that first refractor. And he went from looking into it and then to do a little bit more like online. And then I'm like, there's people that take pictures through it. And then there's people that don't even look in it and only take pictures. <laughs> like, who are these crazy people? And then like one thing, I went from one scope to two to three to what was I like 10 at that time. And I would spend like, all like to like 2.30 in the morning out looking. And then I'd have to go back to sleep, get off at 4.30, go to the hospital. It was like, and man. It, it's like a, it's in your blood. It's a I you was got a blood. telescope for your six month anniversary. Yeah, it's not even a real anniversary, man. You got a telescope for that? Hey, this has to be our <laughs> six month co host anniversary. <laughs> you didn't give me any time for a scope. Where's the telescope? Time yeah. for a scope. You know, <laughs> six months time for. Well, a scope. I don't even know. I don't even <laughs> time for a scope, baby. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: six month anniversary. We got a telescope. Seven month anniversary. I was out there looking at the scope. Yeah. <laughs> there, was no, there was no, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. telescope window time. No, no, no. Just like uh, let me ask, let me ask Superluminal's question because it's a good one. So you guys are shooting narrowband. I guess tomorrow night she's talking about. Uh-huh. Are mono cameras better for narrowband filters than a one color shot? Yes. The answer, the simple answer is yes, they are. Um, but but there, yeah, there's there's an asterisk. Um, not for what we're trying to do, which is share this with as many people as possible. People want to see images in color, and we've done it both ways. You know, when we when we first started doing this, we didn't have the triad filter yet. So the only way for us to do it was to take super narrow filters, right? We started with three nanometer yeah. HA filters, and we would go show people deep space from cities. And, um, you know, we would pull up like the Horsehead Nebula and show people this, this structure coming in and it was really impressive for people but they'd always ask like well why is it black and white right. you know in your images it shows up in color but mm -hmm. in the images obviously we do a lot more data we stack it all together we get color images but we realized that when we would show people in dark skies with a color camera the same images even though it had less structure seeing it in color made it real for people it made it to where they they understood people that don't deal with astronomy every day understood that they're looking at something you know, and and kind of more what it was. We could explain it better. And so the triad filter was about exactly that. How do we take what we're doing? How do we get that structure, that really narrow band structure, and bring it to people in a way where they can see it in color? And Chris Hendren at OPT, he's our pro services mm -hmm. director. He deals mostly with NASA. And, and we're going to have that. him on podcast. He will be, up. yeah. He is, he is one of the best in the world at, at astronomy. And he just, he lives for this stuff. He had this idea, and he's like, we gotta, we got to be able to make this filter that can do all three or even four channels at once. Why don't we do hydrogen alpha, hydrogen beta, oxygen three, and sulfur have super narrow band 
we know we're putting it over a color camera, so we're going to lose a lot of the data because of the Bayer matrix yep. and that stuff. But you know what? If we get enough of it to show people this in color, we can always shoot more data. We can always do more exposures and keep making the image better and better and better. But that first image is probably going to be enough to show people something that's going to forever change their life. And he wasn't wrong. When we do this and we show people and they see the Horsehead Nebula or Orion Nebula or anything coming through in color, in real time, it's a game changer. Yeah, it really is. I <clears throat> And what's cool too is the, the triad filter just started this snowball effect of, okay, now we have this one-shot color filter that you can, you can use your one-shot color camera in cities. And so now this changes the game because astronomers have star parties mm -hmm. and they usually ask you to come out to the middle of nowhere hours <laughs> Very away scary places. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and meet tons of people you've never met yeah. and I mean for us we do that all the time so it sounds yeah. great and that gets us really excited but to somebody who's never heard of star parties and doing things like that that's either very intimidating or just sounds like a terrible idea yeah so with the triad filter we can now bring astronomy to cities if, if you're getting the location to where you're going and GPS decimal coordinates and not an address, <laughs> yeah. that's a problem, right? So, yeah. yeah, it's such a creepy thing. Came and see her. It's such a creepy thing to tell these people. Like um, the girl that just asked, I forgot what you said the name was there. Um, but it's like, hey, uh, yeah, why don't you meet us in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah. where you can't see anything, you don't know where you are, and nobody can help you, <laughs> and we're going to look at the stars together. And and that's, that's a, it's so much easier to say, why don't you meet us in Times Square? You're safe. Yeah. Everybody's going to be there anyway. It's going to be more of just a set the scopes down and have a great time with everybody. That's, that's a cool event. Yeah. Meeting out four-hour drive in the middle of nowhere, that's tough, Especially, man. especially that's tough. like... Um, because this is one thing I've tried to talk, tackle a lot with the film with women, and that's how you know. Because predominantly men in astrophotography, yeah. and um, it's a problem. Astro mom herself just the other day said, "You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a little, you know, lady. I and I, I love it, but you know, for me to go out there and yeah. bring all my equipment in the dark, and and actually, it was a great story she told us at lunch. But there is this like group of like, how these like." You know, younger guys are all hammered, and, and she's out there by herself. Right. And she was like, "These guys are gonna steal my equipment." They're like, "Oh, what do you got over there? Is yeah, it expensive?" Yeah. And I she's know, like, it's "No, it's not." Gone. You don't just you're, yeah. You can't and she got really lucky because she was like, "Well, she's like the moon's about to come up, like like rise like on the." And she's like right on the water, so it has this beautiful, huge, and like it did just in the time. And like so, while they were like ooh and ah, and she was, she packed up her stuff and like secretly got out of there. But she's like. You know, to go out there, there's yeah, no one else around, and, and so yeah. it's great to be able to take something like this. Well, there's reason to be nervous, yeah. man. People are crazy, right? They and are. and even coming here, she had to bring a, like you said, double black belt with her to yeah. feel safe. That's a problem. So imagine if you were trying to get her to go out four hours away into the desert. You know, that's it's an uncomfortable thing for of good course. reason. And that's why you have to be able to bring it to where people already are. Even for a woman, maybe for a guy. For anyone. Yeah. For anyone. Yeah. yeah. For anyone. You know? Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And I don't know. I just think you got to be able to bring it to people where they are. It was just, it was a nightmare to develop the filter. And that's why it hasn't been done. But there's a lot of reasons not to do that. You know, I mean, we're talking about the Bayer matrix. So you're going to lose at least half your data anyway to filters that can't let the light come through that you're trying to get. There's only yeah. one out of every four pixels that can even accept hydrogen because it's a red filter and then from there you're putting another filter and filters do not pull things in they reject things yep so you have rejection on top of rejection and 
Then we're Sounds saying like my dating life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It does sound like your dating life. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, we, you know, we started working with manufacturers explaining this idea and everybody's saying, no, that's a crazy idea. You can't do it. And there are only, you know, a handful of manufacturers in the world that produce filters on a level that we would call acceptable anyway. And so we went through them and there was literally only one, one manufacturer that we found globally that could make the filters to a spec that we felt like, which was 95% transmission or better. We will not accept it otherwise, right? And everywhere we were looking, it was like, yeah, we can make this filter, but it's gonna be so fragile that if someone breathes on it, it's gonna be useless, or it will have a transmission of 40%. We're already rejecting too much light. We can't give up another yeah. 60%. You it's just can't. Precious right now. So mm -hmm. we found one manufacturer that does a ton of stuff for the government and NASA and everyone else, and they said, you know what? Give us six months. But we love this idea, and we're going to do this. And we partnered with them, and uh, it has been phenomenal. The images we've seen coming in from this oh. have been insane. Images from custom. Well, tell, tell oh, them, talk a little bit about what this triad filter is best for. What kind of objects are is it best at imaging? Uh, anything that's an emission nebula, right? You're not going to do well with galaxies on this or anything <laughs> like a reflection nebula. It's got to be something that's just cranking out light through uh, HA or oxygen, sulfur, um, but things, most of the big colorful nebulas, all the ones I post on my Instagram are emission nebula, but all can, the can you name ones. a few? Just yeah, like... the rosette, the cone nebula, the horsehead, the jellyfish nebula, Orion nebula, right? all of the big ones, you know, the lagoon, the trifid, uh, omega, really, if you can name it, it's probably that. The few that you wouldn't be able to do well would be like the witch's head or... Um, Pleiades, just yeah. like things that aren't yeah, emission nebula. Yeah, it's got to be an emission nebula. But I mean, the blue ones, yeah, for the most part, right? You're yeah. not limited because I mean, if people who who shoot narrow band anyway, those are the targets they can shoot. Yeah, and so if you can shoot it with a narrow band uh, set of filters, you can shoot it with a one shot color and a triad filter. Yep, absolutely. And you can use the triad filter on a monochrome camera as your luminance channel, which makes a ton of sense. You get these this perfect luminance data, and right now people are shooting just three filters, HA, S2, O3, and then combining it is red, green, blue with the show combination, and then that's your, there's your image. But why not have a luminance channel that mm -hmm. has all of them collecting light at the same time, the same way you have, instead of just red, green, blue, you have L, LRGB. So now you can have that, you know, triad filter, and then RGB along with it in your show data. It makes a ton of sense. And your pictures, as Dustin likes to say, it makes them look... Uh makes them look crispy and crunchy. Yeah, crispy and I mean, crunchy. it gives them that 3D element that, that people are looking for, so you know? We, we like to call Dustin's pictures, they're like uh, they're like KFC, because they're extra crispy. Extra, <laughs> extra cooked, man. I cook them, and then I throw them back in the oven and cook them again, you know? Throws them in the deep fryer. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, well, let me get to a couple questions, then we're going to have to wrap it up soon. C -wag, I think it's C-Wags. It's hard to know how you say backwards three, but that's an E, right? C-Wags? I don't know. Uh, guys, is this channel is great. A question, how do you bridge the gap with people who clearly don't look up. I mean, I often will find myself in discussion with people who are narrowly oriented and short-sighted. Mm. So I guess part of that means, you know, we get kind of caught up in just our, our lives, yeah. right? We just, we, right, we got to get to the soccer. We got to, you know, go to work. We got to cook dinner, whatever it is. And these people, you, you, I most think of you're us best don't... equipped to answer this, though. You've worked in the professional space. 
And you also work with amateur astronomers on a daily basis, right? I mean, how do you? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. How do you get from where we are to where we need to be? Yeah, and I think um, we just have to be, well, I think what we're doing, what all of us are doing is the step in that direction, going to Times Square, saying, what is that? That's a telescope? I didn't even know they were that, that, were that cool looking or they were that portable or, or that they could show so much in a light polluted place. Go where they are. So if you're wanting to maybe affect or, or give a soccer mom's kids something to do besides maybe going to soccer, maybe start an astronomy club or something at home. I think you have to bring it to them. You can, right, you go where to, they are. Yeah. If, if you say, oh, you need to come take a look at a telescope. Oh, no, this and this and this. Yeah, I don't Because they don't really, it's, it's not... They don't know what they're really missing. You have to take a look. You have to see for the first time. And uh, you know what's amazing is we've we've gone out, K-Tech and I, with a couple of Jupiter Joe, just sidewalk astronomy here in New York. Um, just put the scope down. And he'll be with, tomorrow. Yep, with, he's coming tomorrow. Yeah. And, um, and, oh, man, he is... Uh, we were out filming the... or uh, Shooting with the lunar eclipse and had the, the scope set up. And some people have never... I mean, I said like, but most have never even looked at the moon through a telescope or looked through a telescope. I, I would say at least four or five people and groups of people that like they came back multiple times that night and it was so cold. I'm, I mean, we literally, I, we were running into the um, American Eagle, like just so our hands would like unfreeze. I mean, yeah. we were in gloves. I literally could not even like, it was so cold. I, I, I couldn't even turn the focus knob anymore. Like yeah. that's how cold it was. And people came back two, three times, yeah. and like that, photos of him, and then we, we went out and interviewed him about a month later, and he was saying that the people, like, we shot to him on the Instagram that were traveling, because a lot of people who, like, kind of travel from, you know, abroad will stay in the Times Square area, mm -hmm. and from other, like, man, thank you so much, like, we never expected to come to New York and look for a telescope, and so, he, so it's, he's really doing great stuff, because like I said, I think most people here... If you ask them, don't even think that you can see. Stars. You got to put it in front of people. Yeah. I think so, that's a simple yeah. answer. Right? Yeah. So see wags, go where they are. Go, go where, they are. where they are. You know what the number one question they ask is? Does it cost money? That's he says it's the biggest problem. He's like people always come up and they want to look, but they think I'm going to charge them. And it's like no, no, no. Yeah. Come on, I've gotten that. It, it might, I don't know if it's a New York thing. I've gotten like, that down in wavelength. Like people yeah. like will have the 20 inch dob, and people walk by and say, "Hey, why don't you guys take a look at the moon?" They're like, "How much?" Yeah. No, free man come on oh, yeah one yeah. is no charge uh, i'm gonna leave this with uh with a final question from super luminal who's asking does dustin have a vsd 100 is it worth selling my car for i seriously want one grab it. give me a second all right stand by i think he's going <laughs> all right um, yes by the way <laughs> i don't go anywhere without it uh, <laughs> ask and ye shall. I don't go anywhere this is without it. I have never seen it. Oh, uh, this is my baby it's right here. Beauty, man. This is my baby. It's a thing of beauty. It's unboxing video. You didn't know that. What, kind of, what kind of car does he have? What kind of car yeah. you got? <laughs> yeah, that's a good so, point, Superluminal. What kind of car do you got? Uh, it's going to matter, I think. And this is a helical, helical focus? Yeah, is that so I have the Pentax. Is my um, my 125. And this is basically the same Pentax design, Vixen. But yeah, this is an f3.8 scope, and a lot of my wide field images come from Your camera's right there, this so. bad boy right here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this thing is a fast scope. It's perfect for wide field imaging, and this is what we'll be in Times Square with. That's awesome. Yeah, give a quick uh, audio description for people listening to the podcast. Yeah, so um, I mean, it's God. This thing. What? How do you? What do you say the size of this thing? It's it's a, a hundred 
millimeter, so it's a, a hundred millimeter aperture. But I mean, like, and, what what is roughly this? Size, uh, you know, eighteen inches, I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty it's, small. It's small, yeah, maybe it's too super feet. light. Really yeah. portable. Yeah. It, yeah. It's truly portable. I mean, it's carry on size. Yeah, you can can't quite carry fit this in a backpack. You can carry like, it on uh, too. I would say is that it's it's for sure carry on. It's like a one hundred to four hundred, uh, you know, camera lens. Yeah. So Super Lumen says he has a Volvo. And, and oh, that's okay. So you might you might be able to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a beautiful scope. And so you, you focus it by just uh. Yeah, it's got a helical focuser, just like camera lenses do. And uh, What's, why why helical versus just any other kind of type? Is it just that model? You know, Pentax it? always did that, and really? they just stuck with it. I think to uh, kind of tip the hat to Pentax. But what a lot of people do is they lock down the helical because they don't like it and they'd rather have like temperature compensating or automatic focusers, automated yeah. focusers. And then they just adapt them right to the back and uh, so they don't use the helical. But I kind of like the helical. It's fun to... Um, it's different. It's super precise. And yeah, I mean, this this scope is just a work of art. I love it. Really it. How old is that scope? I've had this thing since they came out. Actually, Ginny's first telescope ever... Um, for imaging, she had a Explorer 152 AR before for visual, mm -hmm. but her first imaging scope was this. And uh, we've had one ever since, man. It's pretty fast, too. It's at 3.8. Yeah, so. 3.8, yeah. So your exposures are super short. For our purposes, showing people space in real time or as close to real time as possible, yeah. it does the job. That is, I mean, and but, what, and yeah. you put a reducer on it, too. I mean, yeah, you can get it down to three. three. Wow. This thing is killer. And uh, what's kind of, is it use a clamshell or rings or what do you? Yeah, we've got rings for it. And uh, yeah, they clamp here in the front so that you don't lock down the focuser. Because yeah. if you come too far back, you'll it lock it like down. looks like a little bazooka, man. But this is my baby. You know? This is my baby. I image with this thing all the time. Okay, well, I, we're at an hour, guys, so we're going to have to stop here, I think. So um, let us know what you guys think. This was a live stream in addition to a recording of the podcast. It was great to be able to interact, I thought, yeah. with That's people. Great. So, uh, and, and the first live you know, sit yeah. down, you know, and, and, yeah, and all, all three of us, yeah. you know, yeah. first so. podcast, first live space junk podcast with the, the space junk crew. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, uh, never been done. So check us out. If you don't know about space junk, go, go look at your podcast aggregator, look us up, subscribe to us. We post every week, don't we? Ian? And if you want a space junk t-shirt, buzz one of us. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. 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 Come Sydney on, come on down to Times Square. If you're in New York, come on yeah. down. Yeah. Free shirts. Yeah. Yeah. To We've come got down. our shirts. we got a ton of them. And for people that love the show, just send us a note. We'll make sure you get a shirt. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I set up a, a, a general deep uh, email account, hangouts at deepastronomy.com. Email me there. I'll, I'll forward it to Dustin and Ian and we'll make sure you guys do that. So, uh, yeah, Superluminal says, wow, an F3 refractor. That's nuts. It has a huge imaging circle, too. Bigger than full-frame DSLR. Yeah, I use right. medium format on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Superluminal, thanks for doing. I got to say one quick thing to Peter Q. Happy birthday, man. Cheers. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. He's joining us. Cheers, Northeast of England, a Geordie guy. Well, That's right. Peter Q, happy birthday. And with that, we will sign off. I want to thank everybody for watching and listening. Uh, on behalf of Dustin Gibson, Ian, Lawyer, Ian Lauer, and uh, Stephen Swancote, I'm Tony Darnell. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk was produced by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California, in partnership with Deep Astronomy. Please send feedback and questions to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.